Lord, speak to us. Give us the good counsel. We live in a wicked world with a lot of troubles and trials, Father. Give us your counsel so that we will be able to walk in the right way. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alice in Wonderland is an old English children's story. Kids, I hope some of you might have seen that. Maybe some of you have read that. Alice in Wonderland. A young girl named Alice, she happened to fall, fell into a rabbit pit and she landed in a fantasy world. Hope you, some of you may be familiar to that. And as she travels through the fantasy world, she reaches in a, she reaches to a, a junction, a fork, a, yeah, a junction. And she don't know which way to take, the left or right, because she never planned to be there, and she have not decided which direction she should choose. She is not inclined either to the left or to the right. She is neutral in her mind, neutral with her will. She don't have a predisposition, any bend to any directions, and she is confused. And as she looks up, she saw a Cheshire cat sitting on the tree, and she asked the Cheshire cat, which way should I take? Then the Cheshire cat said, that depends where you want to go. Then she said, I don't know where I have to go. Then the Cheshire cat said, then it doesn't matter. Sometimes in our life, we are like this Alice. We don't know which directions to choose and which way to go. This world you and I live is broken world. It is increasingly complex and confusing. Look around the world, an invisible virus has taken all of our life, to, our life and planning into a different level, isn't it? We are living in an unprecedented time. Youth and kids, you may have much more information in your fingertip that you can process in a lifetime. You may be wondering where to start and how to proceed. Mothers, you are in so demanding position. So many expectations on you, expectations from your husband, expectations from your children, expectations from relatives, people around you, and even expectations from you yourself. You are puzzled. We don't have an easy life. You are unsure about the will of God in certain situations of your life. But at the same time, with all your conscience, you want, you want to do the will of God. But you are confused. Many of us today, perhaps, confused in our life more than any other generations. And these confusions are so overwhelming. So it is natural to feel in, we are lost or confused in certain situations because, because we are so troubled, so overwhelmed by so many life scenarios. One of my friend, a good believer, called me recently and he said, man, honestly, my world is spinning. 
I feel so confused and I'm tired and numb because I'm, I'm struggling. Because the one whom I need to be loving the most right now, they are not getting anything from me. They are hurt. I don't know what should I do. And after hearing that, I myself too struggle. Because in my mind, I do feel somewhat together with him. My heart is aching and panting. But at the same time, deep down in my heart, I have a strong feeling. Jesus is persistently working. I feel like he is there, but I'm struggling. As I have conversations with many here and many places around, wherever I go, I have seen people, they just don't know what to do. They don't know which way to choose. They haven't felt so confused for a long time. If those words ring familiar to you, struggling, confused, weary, and just not sure what to do in the life, which way to choose, what to choose, what not to choose, and none of the choice seems to be a good thing for you, and if you are not sure which way you have to choose, then I want you to turn to Psalm 25. Let's read Psalm 25. Please stand with me to Psalm 25. You can see that uh, on the screen or you can follow on your bullet or in Bible. Psalm 25. Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. Who is this person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. I will live a good life, and his descendants, he will live a good life, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he reveals his covenant to them. My eyes are always on the Lord, and he will put my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. The distress of my heart increase, bring me out of my suffering. Consider my affliction and trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, they are 
numerous and they hate me violently. Guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be disgraced, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. As you were reading this psalm, probably you might have got an awareness of the situation the psalmist is in, what he is in and what he is wrestling with. I am certain if you are able to understand the situation, then you would probably be able to relate with him and some of your life situation which you are in may be very close to that. Psalm 25 is a psalm of David and that is a special Hebrew song structured and designed in, in a way that, 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 is able, that we are able to memorize and meditate on it. I think that should encourage us to do the same. We should be able to memorize and meditate some of the psalm. And this is an individual lament of David and he is in the midst of so many troubles. Well, from this psalm, I would like to point out two things, two things. The situation of the psalmist, that is the challenges that he is in, and how he turns this difficult situation into a pathway of his solutions, his solution. Or maybe we can, I can say like that, how he converts his challenges into an opportunity to trust and hope in the Redeemer. Based on that, let me put it in this way. Your life situations, your challenges, your confusions are your pathway to turn to God. Every situation in your life is an opportunity to turn to God. So brothers and sisters, I will have two points from this psalm, David's obstacle and David's opportunity. David's obstacles and David's opportunity. Or we can consider it as David's life situation and David's solution to that life situation. My first point, David's obstacle or David's life situation. When we look into the situation of David, we see many problems, we see obstacles. A season of crisis encompasses David. We know that David has been, been into many life-threatening situations. These are obstacles that try to keep not only David, even us, away from the confidence that we really, really need to have. These are roadblocks. These are obstacles that hinders us. From this psalm, we can categorize these obstacles into four things. Maybe we can Divide them into four things. Fear, loneliness, guilt, and confusion. We will look into each one of them one by one. First, let us see the fear of David. Look at verse 2. David is in fact praying to God. My God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my, do not let my enemies gloat over me. David is pleading not let his enemies triumph over him. Even, you can see even in verse 19, 
consider my enemies they are numerous and they hate me violently david is not under peace he is filled with fear and anguish because he realizes threat around him we know there was a time he was even fleeing from his own son absalom we specifically don't know what is the situation what he is in right now but we know in david's life there were many such situations he struggles and he do not know what is the right thing to do at the same time david's want to follow god's will and he is thinking what is god's will for him in that situation in the midst of those difficulties he is puzzled and confused stressed and anxious so we know that is quite normal when we go through such a situation when we go through a difficult job situation an immigration or a visa requirement visa situation financial situations even family situations so we end up in such situation isn't it the fear what we deal in such situation often tries to take us away from the confidence christ has already given granted to us these circumstances terrify us at times we fear when we go through not only the circumstance we fear not only because of the circumstances around us but also there is a fear within us which comes from inside of us you know sometimes knowing god's will also put us into challenge because we may be hesitant to submit to his will his will may be against my will your will so we don't we don't want to submit ourselves to that so the sometimes knowing god's will is also will lead us into some sort of challenges at times we want have prior knowledge of god's will so we can decide should i comply should i submit or not we want to have prior knowledge of everything what is going to happen in our life so that we can be in control no 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 that is not going to work in that way god has given us grace for a day one day at a time all i know is about this moment all i know is about this moment so the fear within and around us is the first obstacle that hinder us the second obstacle that tries to take us away from god is the loneliness david is struggling with loneliness and isolation look at verse 16 turn to me and be gracious to me for i am alone and afflicted loneliness along with afflictions makes us desperate isn't it devastated devastated how long how long i have to be like this how long i have to travel in this path loneliness causes us to feel pain and empty and unwanted people it it makes us very unwanted isn't it when we are lonely we feel nobody wants us loneliness makes us vulnerable to sin 
Dear ones, that's why we have a church. That is why we have a church. We have a community where we can come and confess to one another, seek guidance from another, seek counsel from one another. And if we ignore that step outside the community, we become more vulnerable to the temptation of sin. In the psalm, many occasions, David was surrounded by mortal enemies and he is lonely. At times in your life, if you are journeying through a path of radical obedience and hardship, if you, if you, if you go through a radical obedience and hardship, people will pull back from you. They may feel quite uncomfortable to be around you because you are too embarrassing and intimidating. Obedience at times makes you isolated and lonely. You may feel you are the old one out and it's a painful journey. But Jesus has invited us to come and take the cross and walk with him, to follow him. So we finished with David's fear. We done with David's loneliness. The third obstacle David speaks is guilt. Not only guilt, guilt along with shame. Guilt and shame hinder us from the confidence what we are supposed to have in our God. Verse 7, 11 and 8, David speaks of his guilt. Let, let's look into verse 7. It says, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgression. David feels guilty because of his past sin. Verse 11, for thy namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. David says his guilt is countless. Verse 18, consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sin. He is seeking forgiveness. And from guilt, he then moves to shame. Verse 2, oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not, let me not be put to shame. Again in verse 3, you see, indeed, none who wait for you for you shall be put to shame, but they shall be ashamed who are, who, who are wanting to be treacherous men. David is in shame because of his past sin. At the end of verse 20, oh God, my soul and deliver me. Let me not be, not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. David is remembering and reflecting on the foolishness of his youth. Yeah, foolishness of youth. I could relate to that. I am remembering some of my, my foolishness while I was youth. Some of you could. Foolishness of our youth. And he is shameful. And he confesses that. Even his present sin is so great. So he is coming again and again to God and confessing that. So in the, in the midst of all this confusion with external enemy threatening and friends forsaking, his trouble is multiplied by the internal mystery of sinful heart or sinful and guilty heart. 
David is troubled and puzzled. Look at verse 17. Relieve the trouble of relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of distress. Literally, the troubles of David, David's heart is enlarged. In other words, his, it is the inward confusion as much as the outward circumstances that makes David so distressed. I know it is not unusual when such situations arise in our life, we may also feel lost and all our manners may be, we will lose all our manners, all our good behavior. What is the will of God? What, should I, what am I supposed to do in this situation? These may be some of the questions we are wrestling with, isn't it? If you don't see a way out, you may feel so frustrated, so confused and no hope at all. David was in such a situation. Like David, every one of us struggles one time or another time with fear, loneliness, guilt and shame and confusion. In such confusion, there is only one thing we can do or only one thing we must do. That is what David is modeling us in this psalm. Normal Christian life is not escaping these dangers, but handling these situations with the right perspectives. And that's what we see in David's life. That is what David is calling us to see through this psalm. The confusion what he is in, that one, the confusion what David was in is an opportunity for David to turn to God in prayer. That is our second point. David's opportunity, David's or David's solution to the circumstance. These confusions were an opportunity for David to turn to God in prayer and petition. Look at verse 20. He pleaded with God to guard his life and deliver from his enemies. He asked God to turn to him and break, be gracious and relieve his loneliness in verse 16. In verse 7, he asked God not to remember the sins of his youth. He's seeking forgiveness, but pardon his guilt. That is in verse 11 and 18. Again, you can see. I'm just referring back to the verses. You can cross-check those things. Look at again, four, verse 4 and 5. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your path. He asked God to take away his uncertainty and confusion by letting him to know God's ways and leading him in truth. David has learned to turn to God in each and every situation. Turn to God and pray for his situation. How about us? How about us? A time we turn to everything else but not to God. We just sang a song just now. What a friend we have in Jesus. Take everything to him. Carry everything to God in prayer. Dear one, seize every opportunity to pray. 
pray for anything and everything. Not only pray for you, pray for one another. Dear brothers and sisters, every situation in your life is God-given opportunity to turn to God and seeking wisdom from him. It's an opportunity to turn to God in confession and repentance. I want you to look at verse 8. The Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and he teaches them his way. I want you to pay attention to that verse. The psalmist is saying that your sin and my sin is not prohibiting us or sin is not disqualifying us from coming to him and being under his care. The compassionate God still cares for us. He still leads us. But at the same time, this is important, but at the same time, it is not being a sinner that qualifies us, but being a forgiven sinner that qualifies us. That is why in this psalm you can see time and again, David is going back to God and asking forgiveness. Dear ones, do you want to know the will of the Lord in your life? Repent. Repent. God is asking us to start there. He wants us to start from there. Go to God and repent. Repent of your unbelief. Repent of your hard-heartedness. Repent of your trying to hide things from God. Repent of your mistrust. Repent of your denial. Repent. We were, we were studying from the book all the past many months. Luke says, make straight path for the Lord to come. Take away all your crookedness. Repent. Look at how it all started in the Garden of Eden. The man and woman had all freedom except prohibition from, from eating from one fruit, which is good and bad. But they sinned, and as they disobeyed, they felt naked. Shame was their first emotion, and they wanted to cover up and hide. You know, ever since, ever since, the response of the mankind is the same. Hide from him. Hide from God. But the compassionate God is calling each one of us to come back to him. See, at the end of the day, we all have only two choices. Either we will hide in him or we will hide from God. You got to make a choice what you want to do. You want to hide in God or hide away from him. And if we hide in him, he will instruct you and teach you in the way you should walk. He will counsel you with his loving eyes upon you. Dear one, let me remind you with, with all love, please do not try to hide under the worldly fig leaves. It cannot cover your nakedness. So the first opportunity in the midst of all your confusion is to admit from the bottom of your heart 
that you are a sinner and then repent and hide in him. The second opportunity is to humble yourself, to have humility. Humility is a precondition for God's guidance. In verse 9, he says, He leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. The scripture demands me and you to humble ourselves there, therefore under the mighty hand of God so that, so that he will lift us up in due time. The one who admit his sinfulness, the one who feel helplessness and seek help from God is a sign of humility. Seek guidance from God not only even from one another among the community from the church is a matter of humbleness that is why god has given us this church to seek counsel from one another to seek help we need humbleness for that dear ones admit all your sin and hum humble ourselves under the mighty hand of god so your confusion is an opportunity to repent, is an opportunity to humble. The next opportunity is to keep covenantal obedience. It is not just obedience, it's a covenantal obedience. Look at verse 10, which reminds us that the covenant keeping is a condition to his guidance. All the path of the Lord's are, Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Well, if you ask me how I kept his covenant and his testimonies, honestly, I may not be a very good example, especially in front of my wife and my kids. But I am confident that my, in my covenantal God, because he has taken responsibility not only for his side, but even for my side. He has taken responsibility for all my failures and insufficiency. If we approach God and allow him to shape our heart with a desire to fulfill his commands, to obey his word, he promises us to provide a capacity which is outside of us. He promises us to provide his counsel, his spirit, which guides us day in and day out. And it begins with confession and repentance. Look at verse 11 to 14, which describes us the covenantal obedience. It begins with admitting our guilt and shame and seeking forgiveness. For thy namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. So covenant keeping is admitting sin, seeking forgiveness, but also seeking God's glory, not my glory, not your glory, God's glory. David is pleading for your name, say God, do this. So it's seeking forgiveness, giving glory to him, understanding that our only hope in the Lord is his commitment to his own name. Delighting in that Lord, in his relationship, that intimacy with him is covenant keeping. And also fearing him 
for who he is. Who is the man that fears the Lord? To him, God will instruct the way he should choose. Look at verse 14. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. It shows the intimacy with the Lord as we look upon him, as we hope on him, as we draw close to him. Our confusion leads us to repent. It enables us to be humble. It leads us to have covenantal obedience and it finally invites us to have an expectation. An expectation which is certain. It's not a, it's not a vain expectation which is certain but there is waiting and patience involved in that. Look at verse 3. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. The psalmist is waiting in patience. This, wait is, this waiting is not just simply waiting, but much more than that. In fact, he is, his waiting is contemplating on God. Verse 5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. The psalmist is waiting all day long, thinking deeply, gazing intently on God. 20 verse 21 says, May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you, I wait for you. Waiting, waiting. Waiting in adverse situations like what David is in is beyond our imagination, isn't it? In adverse situations, to wait is very difficult. We want answers right now. I don't know. We don't know how long it is going to be. How long we have to be in that situation. But our confidence, our confidence is the one who has overcome all this adverse situation. He has overcome the enemy, loneliness, shame, and isolation on the cross for me and for you. He is calling us to wait. Wait patiently, but wait expectantly. I am confident, the psalmist is confident that he will be delivering him from this confusion and from his struggles. That is his promise, our hope and our faith. Look at verse 15, the psalmist says, My eyes are always on the Lord, for he will pull my feet out of the net. He will, only he can. That is our confidence. It may take some time, much more than what we have anticipated. But it is his promise and he will fulfill that. Maybe some of you may be wondering that, how are you so sure? How can you say so, so surely, so surely that he will do it? Let me invite you to take a close look at the psalm. The whole psalm mainly points us to between uh, the action between David and God, back and forth. David is approaching God with his prayer and supplication and what Lord does in that situation. But if you look at verse 8, we can clearly see who God is. Verse 8 says that, says that 
the lord is good and upright therefore he shows sinners the way when he says the god is good he is pointing to his mercy his faithfulness his grace when he says the god is upright he is pointing to his justice which demands us to be holy but we are not so it demands us to earnestly seek his will and be like him he alone is good and upright he alone is just and the justifier that's what we can see on the cross the goodness and the uprightness of god is clearly visible on the cross trusting on that cross what he has accomplished on that cross is the way for the sinners the psalmist is the psalmist david is looking to that redeemer he is not only his personal redeemer he is the redeemer of the whole israel verse 20 david is praying to this redeemer for the redemption of israel because god himself is good and upright you look at verse 20 the prayer of david has moved from him to the towards the redemption of whole israels the nation he is praying for the whole nation i think that should encourage us to pray for one another pray for the church the one question what david is asking to us is that do you believe in this god this afternoon do you believe in this god who has redeemed you from the eternal punishment the one who has brought you up from the horrible pit from the miry clay the god who has rescued from all that all that will he not rescue you from your confusion and trouble what you are in today when you are surrounded by the worldly uncertainty you can be certain of one thing the truth that has set you on a sure foundation he don't let you stumble he has established your goings romans chapter 8 verse 32 we read that he who did not spare his own son but he gave him up for us all will he not also with him graciously give us all things the point is our god is not only our savior he is also our keeper he is sovereign all over the all areas of my life and your life he is our creator he is our redeemer he is our sustainer he will do it he is the wonderful counselor and guide his holy spirit is leading us guiding us protecting us isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 we read like this which reminds us like this whether you turn to right or left your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way this is the way walk in it walk in it he is a wonderful counselor he counsels us now and then 
Do you really trust in this God this afternoon? Do you really trust him for who he is? And if you trust him, you will seek all his will. And you will seek his will in all your decision making. The psalm reminds us that there will be certainly trouble in this world. There will be fear, loneliness, guilt, confusion in this side of the journey is certain because this is a broken world. As you go through this confusion, you should come to him in prayer and bring, your, bring all your struggle without hesitation, with repentance and with humility. And if we do so, and if we do so, the good and upright God promises to guide us, lead us home. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 reminds us, do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus loves us, because he knows me and you personally, and because of his covenantal promise, we will be able to run this race steadfastly. He, he does it for us, for his name. A race which we can never do it alone. We are all invited to have that hope with that expectation. At the finishing line, he waits for us. He waits for me, he waits for you with his arms wide open, welcoming us, embracing us, and calling us welcome, faithful servants. Come home, come home. Let us approach him with prayer and taking all our struggles without any hesitation, with repentance, with humility. For he is good and upright, and he is faithful God. Thank you, Bijou, for, for preaching for us. And uh, brothers and sisters, we have uh, come to, to hear from God's word, but uh, to also celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And as we come and we take the, the body and blood, uh, as we take the, the sorry, the, um, well, the cup and the, the bread and the cup, uh, we come and it's a reminder for us to wait on the Lord that we are uh, publicly proclaiming Christ's death until he comes. We're proclaiming the fact that, that Christ has delivered us from our sin. He has delivered us from our, our greatest trouble, uh, that he 
seemingly was put to shame on the cross, but he was raised three days later, triumphing uh, over his enemies, over the forces of darkness, that his people might be delivered. And as we come and we take the Lord's Supper, it's, it's not just a reminder for us to wait on the Lord because our deliverance is sure. It's a reminder that even in the midst of our trials and our suffering and what might be going in, on in this life, that we are not alone. You can look to your left and your right, and we see that we are a, a church. We are a, a body of believers who have been united together by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, we may come from many different places and many different backgrounds, but we have the most important thing in common, and God has given us the church to be an encouragement to one another in times of trouble and in times of need. And so be reminded of those truths that Christ has died for you, that he has delivered you from your sin, and that he has given you one another and has united us together at the cross. Well, if you are visiting with us, we are uh, grateful to have you with us uh, today, and if you are visiting with us from another evangelical church and you've been baptized, we welcome you to come and, and take the Lord's Supper with us. Uh, if you are here and, and you are not a Christian, we're, we're very grateful to have you with us as, as well. We, we hope to have you continue to come. We would love to get to know you. Uh, know that the Lord's Supper is a meal for, for Christians. It is a reminder that we have been united uh, in Christ, that we have repented and believed. Uh, and so we hope that th though this meal is not for you, you would see something of, of the gospel, uh, why we say that we can hope in Christ in the midst of difficulties. Well, the Apostle Paul warned that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Uh, in light of that, that warning of the Apostle Paul that we're to examine our own hearts as we come and take the Lord's Supper, we're going to go and spend a few times, of, uh, a few minutes in silent confession of sin. And you might even have those words of David ringing in your head that, uh, that he's pleading with the Lord to, to not remember his sins. Uh, well, we come and we, we confess in confidence because God has, Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. He has taken uh, the shame of our sin upon himself. Uh, well, following that time of silent confession, we're going to sing. You're invited to come up and take the, the bread and the cup. Uh, as we're singing, please take that back to your seat with you, and we'll take it uh, together uh, corporately after we finish singing. But let's go to the Lord in a time of, of silent confession of sin.